Welcome to the Ethics Experts, where we're elevating ethics and compliance, and HR, to the strategic level it's supposed to be. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Ethics Experts. I'm your host, Giovanni Gallo, and we're excited to welcome you today. So glad you joined us. If, in fact, you are a subscriber to the podcast, wow, I'm glad you're here today. And that's what you get when you subscribe, is you get an extra special welcome on every episode. <laughs> So hit that subscribe button, share this with some people, and and let's spread it around. I am excited and honored to introduce you today to Bob Martineau of Finn Partners. Bob, welcome to the show. Thank you. Welcome, Gino. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're going to be talking about ESG today, which is a hot topic. A lot of people are asking about it um, and trying to understand how it fits into their role and their company and things like that. But before we get too deep into that, you know, we like to tell the personal stories of ethics experts and people in this space. So tell us a little bit about your career and what has brought you to the place that you are at Finn Partners today. Okay. Well, great. Well, Finn Partners is a global communications, public affairs, public relations firm uh, with about 20 offices around the world. I'm here in Nashville as my home base where I've lived for the last 20 years. I've come by this. Uh, I've been at Finn for about six months now, but I'm a lawyer by training, practiced environmental and regulatory and sustainability law for uh, over two decades, um, spent seven years uh, working at the state level as the commissioner of Department of Environment and Conservation here in the state of Tennessee, uh, and then worked with my 50 state colleagues around the country uh, and worked with EPA on environmental policy and sustainability issues um, uh, across the board. So, and uh, again, in the last six months, I've come about it in a different angle, but uh, head up the Southeast sustainability practice uh, for Finn Partners. Awesome. So interesting. You've been in and around this space in a few different ways and bring a really interesting perspective to this. So, um, you know, as we get into it, like I said, we, you know, we've been, you know, I was just, I, I didn't say this yet, but I was just at a conference uh, last month and more than any conference I've seen before, there were sessions about ESG of compliance professionals trying to figure out, hey, what should we do about this? So, um, you know, so so there's this concept of ESG, and um, you know, f there there are so many different forums that it's getting discussed in, and people think of, uh, you know, I think a lot of times they think of the environmental sustainability because it leads that 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 off, but it really means so much more than that. So, for people who aren't familiar with this area, can you des describe what this means to you? Because I think it is kind of subjective. It's not there's not like a global definition for it, other than you know the words themselves. Um, you know what what do you think is the closest we have to a uniform definition? Well, that's a very good point. There isn't a uniform definition now, and oftentimes clients who are trying to develop an ESG type scorecard are looking, and it's not like uh, in the accounting standards, you have generally accepted accounting principles. Yeah. I think we're moving in, in that direction. The SEC is considering some rules to, to more uh, codify those practices um, so that there's some ability to con contrast and compare. Yep. Um but I think the important thing I'm talking about today is that ESG is broader than environmental sustainability. The E part of it is definitely that environmental uh, sustainability part. And I think that's even broader than, than we've thought about in the past. Typically, historically, we looked at a company's own operations and how did their plant operate or the products they sell. Now we're looking upstream and downstream. And, and if you're an auto parts supplier, you're getting asked by your 
uh, OEM, GM, or whatever, not only what are your uh, uh, environmental uh, responsibility goals and, and metrics, but what are you, the suppliers who are supplying the raw materials to you, the rubber, you know, if you're using tires, um, whatever that is. Um, so that that is becoming more important and you're looking downstream, the impacts, where do your products and waste products go? Uh, and and so that's broad. On the S, the I think the convergence of, of the sort of social justice movement and Black Lives Matter in the last year or two has really heightened the focus on the S and social. What is it you're doing with your own employees in terms of diversity and equity and inclusion? Um, what about your suppliers? Where are they getting? What are prevailing wages? Are you getting supplies from overseas that are using child labor? They're starting to look at that social governance um, and seeing commitments. And, and I think you're seeing, for example, you know, for years, people talked about being equal opportunities employers and we hired, you know, without discrimination. But now people are asking a lot more and, and very specific metrics about, well, you say the diversity. Well, what is your diversity of the various kinds of diversity? And and if you don't have great diversity now, what are you doing about it to, to enhance it? And you can't just say, well, we've been trying to recruit minorities. We just haven't been able to get them. Well, are you going to universities and developing job fairs or training programs to, to feed those kind of um, diverse culture you say you want into your and governance is a lot about the ethics and your corporate culture and your corporate, your board. Uh, and does your board have diversity and difference of opinion? Uh, are you transparent in um your information about how your company operates. So it's a convergence of all of those um, in what ESG is today. Yeah, thanks for that. You know, it's um, it's interesting because, you know, in some sense, I've heard some people talk about ESG is just making sure companies are doing the right thing. And, you know, get you can get a lot more specific than that and like what are your metrics and, you know, the social piece, is it, you know, racial justice or is it gender or is it, you know, uh, human trafficking or whatever it is, but, you know, in, in, a, in a broad sense, it's like people want to do business with companies who, that are doing the right thing. And we kind of break it down in these component pieces, which I think is a really compelling part of this movement as ESG is it has some more specificity to it than just being responsible and just kind of right. define that however you want. And well, we're going to where this is going to fractal out into these three things and then the sub pieces of that and then what you're doing and, and all of that, which, you know, I think gives me a lot of hope that this is not just an opportunity for companies to make more money. This is not right. just an opportunity for leaders and ethics experts and people who care about cultures to codify this, but this is an opportunity to actually make the impact that we as businesses are making on the lives of the people who are not just our employees, but our suppliers and customers and all of that, make an impact on their lives in a positive sense and help us build our own path forward to doing that right. Again, not just getting credit for posting the metrics, but actually doing things in a good way. And I think there's enough flexibility in this framework for if you're, you know, a manufacturing or a mining or a software company, that there's something that you can be doing on this front. No, I, I think that's totally right. And, and I, I would say to companies getting started in this, it can be overwhelming and you say, well, we don't know, you know, we've got this corporate culture. We're trying to re you know, leave the planet a better place than we found it um, kind of culture. But how does that mean? And we've got all these things. We've got purchasing requirements, diversity requirements, and don't get overwhelmed on the flip side. Everybody has to start somewhere. And so it's getting a handle on that in the cross disciplines within an organization from HR to pur purchasing to operations to energy consumption um, and start somewhere and set some benchmarks for continuous improvement. And, you know, 
you are where you are to start and what the message to, to your investors, to your employees is, our commitment is continuous improvement, you know, and we can't change the past, but we can move forward in the future. But then it's really important to actually show that you're making progress and tracking those. Well, and it doesn't have to be down to the nitty gritty detail, but but the efforts you're making, um, you know, do you are you doing the training programs on unconscious bias? Are you looking to buy and, and look for suppliers that have more sustainable products? Are you looking to reduce, if you're sending X number of tons of year to a landfill, you know, are, by each year, are you reducing that by by some effort, you know, what are you doing to do that? So I think encourage people to get started and do things and look across the functions of a company and try to have some, somebody needs to sort of be steering the whole thing consistent with that message because CEOs are used to be, you know, the corporate message was, you know, more sales per and more, more revenue per widget sold. And if you look at most companies, you know, corporate value statements now, it's a much different statement than it was 25 years ago. Because they realize investors, employees, and customers want something different. That, those are such great points, Bob. I think a lot of people are a little bit overwhelmed by this or a little bit thrown off. Well, you're talking about everything that the company does internally, externally, to the earth, to the community, all of that. Well, that's a lot. And I love your encouragement that we should just get started somewhere, figure out where we are, try to be continuous improvement and move that forward. And that's, you know, I think that if companies could start that this year or within the next year or something, they're going to be so far ahead of a bunch of other people who are waiting for the SEC to enforce it or waiting for the federal government to set guidelines for this. You can get ahead of that. And that's kind of to that second point you brought up that this needs leadership, right? This is not going to just kind of happen out of thin air. You know, I, I don't know if you were saying this or not, but I think that this can't be solely led by the CEO. This is a program that needs a lot of focus and needs structure and needs follow through and stuff like that. You know, the CEO should be backing it and things like that, but it needs leadership within the organization, someone to make sure that it's going right. And, you know, I think that someone who wants to step up into that can be part of not just making a positive impact on the world, but seeing their gifts that they have, the things that they're great at, the things that they care about and their career that they want to grow really be um, expressed and grown through this ESG initiative. You know, you can look at it's confusing and I don't know what to do or you can look at someone needs this problem solved and if I solve this problem then I'm going to be valuable to the organization and help help us deliver you know on our mission yeah I think you're absolutely right um that the CEO and the and the board of directors need to uh, you know own it and believe in it and yep. and the employees and the customers and the external stakeholders the investors need to know they're serious about it yep. but there needs to be a group inside that can a- execute and track you know move it forward day to day um uh but but it's never going to if 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 people read that it's just lip service by the CEO or the board of directors that they they're doing this because you know BlackRock told them to or something mm-hmm. They, that's that's not going to get taken seriously. Again, it's the same thing. You know, using the HR DEI example. You know, mm-hmm. if the HR director was sitting there saying, "Well, you know, we we interview all qualified applicants. We don't discriminate," but they were making no effort to diversify their workforce by how they recruited or where they recruited, um, mm-hmm. then it didn't go anywhere. And and now the people are serious about it. So, uh, and and that's got to come from the C suite. Yeah, that, that's a great point. It's got to come from the C-suite. It it needs to be authentic, not just in that I want to do it, but I'm taking the right action to push it. Um, 
which, you know, we, we can get to this point. There's this concept of greenwashing has been around for a long time, and that's been largely focused on, you know, environmental st- stability or sustainability. And are you, you know, ac- actually just kind of saying that you do it um, or are you actually follow- following through on it? You know, I, I, I haven't seen a cool term uh, for it, but that can apply to any of these pieces of ESG, right? Like we, um, I ran a session on, you know, make sure you're not doing social greenwashing because I don't have a cool term, <laughs> but you know, there's this thing that like you put out the press release and you do the, the marketing campaign about, you know, we really look at these green trees and look at these, these multicultural employees. Well, it's easy to say that it's harder to follow through on it. So can you talk to us a little bit about the challenge of sending that strong ESG message saying we're committed to this saying, you know, we are going to follow through on this path when you don't have it all figured out yet. And how do you sequence that commitment, that expression and, you know, the actual, you know, it's all, you know, it's quote unquote, it's all fixed now. Yeah, I think, well, there's two audiences. I think internally, you know, you have to be very clear um, that we're on this path and we don't have it all fixed now. And then we need the company buy-in. It's going to be an important tool, you know, young, uh, you know, 30-somethings and younger, uh, they're asking those questions in the interviews these days. Right now, the job market is very much in the employees, the applicants' uh, uh, favor. So, um, they can be picky. And so, they'll ask, you know, what's the company's, you know, ESG goals? What's the company's diversity? How many people are on your corporate board? Um, What's your commitment to, you know, sustainable uh, materials or zero carbon emissions at your operations? You know, how do you pick suppliers? They're asking those questions. So it's coming from that bottom end as well. So the companies are having to address this. Um, And I think externally, the same thing. You you have to be transparent in your message. Um, You know, don't don't hide your your sins. I mean, you don't have to over heighten them. You talk about the path forward. And I think the challenge here is, you know, the marketing department's always, if you're selling a product, uh, particularly, the marketing department's always been over here, you know, pushing and selling their product as eco-friendly or, you know, green products. And now with the sustainability and the heightened scrutiny and the investors looking at that, you know, if you're a publicly traded company, there's always been very careful about what you can put in your SEC statements. But in the more common when you're messaging to the community or uh, candidates uh, and, and, and the public, you know, the marketing folks have to be very careful. And, and there's a role inside the company to make sure they're complying with, you know, FTC, depending on the type of product they will, regulatory but not greenwash, you know, from an ESG perspective, because they're trying to sell a product. So it's a it's a fine line, and again, your in-house uh, folks have to look at that messaging and make sure uh, as you communicate those communication strategies and the importance of developing that messaging that's consistent um, across the board, uh, but doesn't you know tantamount uh, that from a sales side you're not. Greenwashing—that what you're telling about, you're saying about your product, you're selling—doesn't come back to bite you from a greenwashing claim. Yeah, that's a great point, and I like how you split that up between the different audiences, right? Because it, this doesn't have to be a monolith, right? You don't have to scream the thing, same thing from the rooftops that you're talking about in your committee, not because 
you know, you should be hiding anything, but, you know, you should be careful about what you say in your marketing. You can maybe be a little bit more transparent with your current employees and say, hey, we're working on these things. We're not making a big public commitment because we haven't, uh, you know, solved the problem yet. So we don't have a bunch of metrics to brag about. But I want everyone to know that we're working on this and jump in and help us support it or whatever, you know, and maybe it's a little bit different to candidates because, you know, they're not inside the four walls and things like that. I think when you split that up, you can... You know, I don't want to just say you can be more honest because you should be honest with everyone, but you, you, you can pick the message that you want to deliver. And that should probably be, you know, you know, I think that that, you know, a big way to avoid that greenwashing um, effect is to av avoid what your PR firm or your marketing firm wants to make these wild, outrageous claims if you can't really back them up and say, hey, you know what? We can say we're committed to this. We, we can say that we support these ideas, but we don't have any metrics to brag about. So let's not say we, we are already the best company at this. Right. I think that that's right. Um, and I think it's important as they do that, that they really look at how they, they message that um, and comply with their disclosure rules if they're publicly traded. Um, but it, it is a very important kind of approach to reach out and uh, have a transparent but um, and consistent, but you have to obviously have different audiences who you're seeking to. Yeah, and I, you know, I think that that kind of circles back to the issue we were talking about earlier where you need leadership for this ESG initiative. And depending on your company size, that might be, you know, a team, a task force that someone heads up that may not be a full team of seven people just working on ESG initiatives, but you need someone to lead this who kind of understands the full picture and says, hey, you know what, uh, you know, marketing, we really shouldn't be saying that. And hey, you know what, recruiters, we really need to do something different here because we've committed to this and, and we're not getting traction, so we need to do a little bit more, right? You know, change the pipeline and change where we're recruiting. And uh, I think it necessitates someone who understands this broader picture and can uh, kind of balance these different considerations because, again, it is complex, but there's a lot of opportunity to, you know, get recognition, build your career, have a big impact, and really just make the world a better workplace. Yep, that makes total sense. So, Bob, you've talked a little bit about, you know, the F the SEC and public disclosure guidelines. Um, at least from my perspective, I've seen this progressing quickly in a public company standpoint because the money's behind it, right? Because you're going to get in an, in an ETF or in an index for ESG-rated companies and things like that. Um, but this, to me... ESG matters to all companies, not just public companies who are going to get an ETF or someone who's about to IPO. So talk to me a little bit about why someone should care about ESG if they're not a public company and they're probably several years away from the, you know, the what might roll out from the SEC kind of becoming, you know, main, you know, mainstream on Main Street. Why, why should they care? Well, I think there are a couple of reasons and some of it we already highlighted. One, it's your it's your talent pool. Um, how do you attract and retain people um, who want to work for a company that's you know, that's doing good, that they're looking purpose driven and not simply profit driven um, Two, even if you're not publicly traded and have public shareholders, many companies are private equity held or other investors, whether banks. Those folks are looking at the the ESG kind of, you know, whether it's a formal scorecard or an informal scorecard, they're doing their assessments of what's, because it's a risk management thing for those folks. You know, if you're an investor, they're looking at risk management is, well, is this position, if is this company positioned to address 
potential climate change issues? Do they have a supply chain? What's their energy source? Um, so it's a risk management thing. And, and purely from a financial standpoint, uh, there's growing data that shows that those companies that have good ESG scorecards, whatever scorecard that might be, are doing better financially because it means they are addressing their risk management issues. They're doing things to be sustainable past the next quarter or the next shareholders, you know, report, but but over five and 10 and 20 years. So, so even if you're doing it purely for financial uh, uh, traction, um, the, the data is growing rapidly that if you benchmark similar companies that have uh, ESG really done well on those ESG kind of metrics to others, they're starting to outperform. So not only are the, the investors asking about it, the data is showing that it's, you're going to get a better financial return. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, uh, if I can just add on to that, you know, as, as I think about any of your stakeholders, right, if you take a balanced scorecard approach to your business, you know, there's a place for all of them to care about this, right? So your customers might buy from you more or more readily or be bigger fans or, you know, promote your products better to their friends or your services or whatever. So your customers care about these things, right? You know, sustainability, social, are you governed properly? Are you transparent? Um, you know, employ, you know, your talent pool, your employees are going to, you're going to attract and retain and, you know, I, I think get better engagement out of employees when they believe, right, there's a bunch of data around this. When employees are engaged, they believe that their company, that they're part of that community at that company and they're working towards something that matters. They put forth more effort and they are more thoughtful and more careful and things like that. So on the employee side, you know, the investors, to me, you know, this may be just the circles that I swim in. Um, but, you know, investors clearly care about this, right? Like there's a bunch of, you know, talk in public markets and, you know, I, I, I help manage a foundation and we're talking about investing along that. Um, so, you know, that, that's relevant. And also, you know, your customers and suppliers, right? If you're not like B2C, your customers are, you know, companies who are going to have you eventually fill out a scorecard or fill out an attestation that you're doing something on these and start reporting these metrics and, you know, and, and your suppliers also care about it and you should care about it, you know, going in, going in all directions there. Um, so I, you know, I think some people say, Hey, you know, I think if some people take this very basic approach to ethics, uh, which is just kind of the legalism approach of, well, am I going to get sued for it or fined by the government? Well, then maybe you wait until you're forced to do it. And then you got to spin up a big program and try to catch up to the rest of the market. Um, if you care about, something other than what you're forced to do by the government and the courts, um, I think there are, you know, there are mountains of reasons why you should be at least thinking about starting on this journey sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And, and you know, again, if you're in business to sell or, or whether it's professional services or, or products, um, uh, that's true. I, I use example, if you're the, the OEMs in the auto industry, you know, the biggest industry industry sectors in the country are asking that of their suppliers already. The government, federal, state and local are the biggest single group of purchasers, you know, in our economy. Um, and, you know, they've already for a number of years had uh contract requirements to do minority business partners and stuff in, in purchasing, you know, when they put out RFPs um, in the, and then President Biden's executive order he issued back in January, uh, he's asking federal, you know, federal contractors them to look at the rules for federal contractors 
to see how they're addressing climate. So, you know, if you have to sh show essentially whether it's going to be a score or some other metric, if you as in order to do business with the federal government, you have to have a good sustainability ESG score, that's going to drive behaviors if you want to, you know, and that's whether you're a defense contractor, whether you're Boeing Airlines, you know, building planes for the military, whether you're uh, providing uh, environmental technical services to EPA, whatever it is, if you have to meet those um, uh, sustainability as well as diversity goals, you're going to drive your business to that or you're not going to get business from the largest consumers of goods and services in the country, <laughs> the governments, the federal, state, and local government. Yeah, exactly. So uh, take your pick. You're either in or you're out, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so – I'd, I'd love to get some guidance because, um, Bob, part of how, why I wanted to bring you on is because you have practical experience running, running related programs at the government level and at Finn Partners helping companies figure this out. And I think a lot of people in our audience have heard about this and they've heard some of these things that, that we're saying before. And like, I get that it's important, but what am I supposed to do? And they're saying, right. okay, I, well, I care. You know, I care about people and diversity and gender and the environment and governance. Like, I care about all that, but what am I supposed to do? This feels like this big, vague thing that is just like, do better. So how do you suggest that people get started on this journey? Um, and, you know, w where do you think people can look to, like, get some quick early wins to build some momentum as, as they build a program here? Well, I, I think that there's a couple pieces to that one. As we said, it's cross-disciplinary. So kind of do an assessment of what you're doing out there already. The procurement guy may be doing something very good in terms of, you know, the operations people have may for years have been looking to get zero waste to landfills, um, but they've been doing it kind of under their, you know, the environmental health and safety guy has been doing it. The HR people may be doing certain great things under DEI. So bring all that together and sort of take a baseline. Where are you? Um, and then you, in, and then the C-suite and the board of directors have to say, what's what's our sort of set core values and where do we want to be? You know, and set some targets, at least, you know, to, as benchmarks to start from. We'd like to be zero car net carbon by, you know, 2050. Uh, and the dilemma here is always a challenge. You know, some people set very modest conservative targets because they don't want to miss. Um, and so, you know, to, you know, they set a five-year goal and after two and a half years, um, they're already there. Well, that may be extraordinarily double down effort, or maybe they were almost there anyway. Um, and so the, the company has to decide, do you want to, you know, necessity is the mother of invention, you know, <laughs> sort of old <laughs> adage. Yeah. Well, if you set a really ambitious goal that says we're going to be zero carbon by, you know, 2030, and you're only you know, you're, you're only 10% there now. Well, you're going to get really creative about, you know, if you really are committed to that. I mean, General Motors just announced they're going to be zero, uh, all electric vehicles by 2030, I guess, or whatever the year was. Um, you know, that probably some, I bet a bunch of people were scratching their head going, how do we get there? <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and they're going to figure it out. Uh, that, that four strives. And you know what? If they get to 2029 or 2030 and they're still only at 90%, they went from, you know, 10% to 90, you know, they're, they're you know, okay, maybe they fell a little bit short cuz some intervening event, you know, slowed them down a little bit. Um, but they made huge progress by by sort of thinking outside the box how to get to get get there. Um, so be ambitious. I, I you know, one of my says be ambitious, set ambitious goals to force people to think outside the box, you know, human nature, we're, we're humans, we don't like change, we want things we know, or, you know, we're going to succeed at. Um, 
but that's not always the way to get to where you'd want to do if you're setting ambitious goals. But my other piece of advice is, right, pull the people together, pull the group of people who have fingers in this all together in a, in a task force, you know, whatever you want to call it, and brainstorm about what, what is the big picture goal and then what are some tactics. Celebrate the successes you do get as you move along because that motivates the employees. Oh, we're really serious about that. And if you, you know, success breeds success. So if you set a benchmark to get here and next year and you exceed that, say, look, we did great. Now let's, let's put the pedal a little harder to the, to the floor and try to go to the next level a little bit quicker. Um, and it spurs people, if they're celebrated, rewards, whether financial or otherwise, or recognition um, for their creative ideas to get to that first threshold, they'll come up with some ideas to get to the second threshold. And I think it's also important to both internally and externally, talk to your stakeholders. What matters to them? You know, uh, different companies will be different. You know, what a bank, what's the sustainability or what's the ESG performance for a, a financial institution is going to be different from a utility company, you know, in terms yeah. of their goals. So talk to your team members, um, talk to your key customers, um, talk to your investors. Yeah. Talk to your, talk to your investors and, figure out, you know, what matters to them and, um, and talk to your board, what matters to them. Um, yeah, that's huge. Um, there's so much good stuff in there. And, you know, I think a lot of what you're saying is don't, you know, don't be afraid to jump in, right. get started because, you know, you, you've probably already started. There's probably somebody running something related to this. Mm -hmm. You can kind of do a bit of an audit, which doesn't have to be super formal in a six, six month effort, but you can see what's going on. And then, mm -hmm. you know, make sure that, your leaders are lined up behind behind this and then set some goals. And I love your discussion around those goals is you can make an ambitious goal, like whatever that saying is shoot for the moon and you'll land among the stars, right? If you, right. if you set a big goal and you get 90% there, well, that's probably more than you would have gotten if you set a really tiny goal. Um, right. And, you know, I, I think a big thing to remember is those goals should spur action that you're not measured against those goals. You're measured against what your actual impact is. So, right. you know, if you don't hit the goal, but you're doing better than every other company in your industry, well, then you're still doing pretty good. Right. Um, well, this has been great, Bob. I appreciate your time today. I appreciate you sharing some of your expertise. Is there anything that you want to leave us with, or you want to tell, you know, some people in the audience, audience, how to get in touch with you? Well, um, that's great. And I will close. Yeah, just I think the importance of this is this isn't just ESG for coming up with some goals or some metrics or to satisfy a corporate report. We're really talking and the reason it's gotten a lot of attention is on you know, particularly on the climate part. We're talking about the planet here. We're talking about, you know, making a fundamental change so our children and grandchildren can can survive on this planet. We're talking about changing a workforce and a culture that's inclusive of, of different different values. And we're 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 better for that, you know, as a company or as a society. So the stuff matters uh, more than just, you know, this short share putting a nice shareholders report together. But I think how you get that together and then, you know, pull in the necessary professionals or how you communicate that, you know, you're certainly your legal folks would be involved because you have certain SEC disclosures, you have FTC requirements, depending on your business, you know, um, it is a cross disciplinary function, but bring people together. Um, and again, uh, I'm at Finn Partners uh, Southeast, you can find us on our website, um, and happy to talk to anybody more about particular ideas on where if they're trying to struggle to get started or want some advice on that front. <laughs> 
All right, Bob, this has been great. Thanks so much for your time today. It's been a blessing and a gift to us at The Ethics Experts, us at Compliance Line, and to our our whole audience. Thanks for the great work that you're doing at Fin Partners to help companies figure this out so that they can make a positive impact on the world. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me.